What's up, Fathom fam? Welcome to the weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. You can follow us to stay up to date on everything going on at Fathom on the Church Center app, Instagram, or YouTube, our Facebook page, or our Fathom fam Facebook group. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Good morning, uh, Fathom Church. It's so good to, to see you all. It's good for the Nelson family to be back in the house today. We're so thankful. Thank you, dear. Um, I was a little bit <clears throat> a little bit raspy there, so I was like, we can go, we can go super rough with it, or we can kind of smooth things out. So, so excited to be uh, here with you all today. I see some new faces uh, who have joined us here in the past couple weeks as my family has been getting some, getting some much-needed uh, rest, and thank you for allowing us that time. Um, we really believe in, in the health of our leaders and our teams around here. We really believe in that. That's something that's super important to us, that uh, the most important thing on our key result areas for all of our team is that you are healthy, you are growing in your relationship with Christ, and you're excited about your involvement at Fathom Church. And so we're, we, we want you to be using your gifts uh, the needs of the ministry continue to grow, and so if you come here today and like, hey, I've, I want to kind of get started, and, and what's my next step? We really encourage you to reach out, maybe start DNA sessions at the beginning of August. Um, you can kind of jump into that. We'll have a time where we can gather together, get to know you, and help you take your next steps to get connected to this family and use your gifts in the body of Christ, because this house is not built on the talents of a few people. It's built on the sacrifices of many and the gifts that God has placed inside of you, and so we look forward to, like, we, it's honestly a joy for us to discover the gifts and, and passions that are inside of you that God has given for the building up of his church, and I'll just say it like this, we need you. We need what is inside of you that God has placed in you, so we look forward to connecting with you. Hey, uh, maybe if you are new here, this will be really helpful. I want to catch you up and just shout out and just uh, share some testimonies and wins of what God's uh, doing around here um, from a physical landscape as well as an organizational landscape. God's doing some really cool things. Uh, you didn't even know it, but in the past two months, we've built an entire new building on this campus. You had no idea. <laughs> you had no idea. We talked about it like seven months ago, but actually right past here, right on this other side of the wall is uh, about a thousand square foot storage facility we call the warehouse, uh, which we built in order to ex- double the size of our food pantry. And so we have moved everything in there. We got that hideous pod off um, uh, campus for those of you that have been annoyed by that, like me. Um, okay, just me. Okay. Um, I was like doing a happy dance when they showed me that thing and pulled off yesterday. Um, and then, so now that's going to allow us to expand our food pantry. And one of the things we're praying about, help us pray that God will provide resources because uh, over in our food pantry, we're, we're really praying about the possibility of kind of going one step further to turn what was our kind of warehouse space into a walk-in cooler, which would kind of give our food pantry a whole different level of game that we can serve families with. And so pray about, you know, pray about that and just uh, help cover that for us. So we're celebrating that. That was done, that entire building was done on your faithfulness in giving above and beyond giving to the legacy fund. That's above and beyond the tie that we honor. And we just, hey, believe God to do more than what we can think or imagine he has. So we continue to build debt-free. Our church has no a debt at all, and so we're so thankful for that. Another thing that uh, has been taking place behind the scenes is the launch of Fathom Family Foundation. Um, come on, uh, as many of you, I know you're real excited about that. 
Uh, for those of you that don't know, this is a new nonprofit that is being launched out of, um, of Fathom Church. And my beautiful bride, Taryn Nelson, is uh, leading that ministry. And so we're currently in like the fundraising uh, stage, and that'll be kind of publicly launched a little bit later in the year. But all that paperwork is getting submitted and going through, and we have a board established and having meetings and meeting with graphic designers and website developers and all that stuff. So just want to let you know, there's lots of cool stuff happening behind the scenes that you don't even know. And it's your generosity that makes that possible. You've given as a body over like $24,000 this year in above and beyond giving that's allowed us to get these projects off the ground. And uh, as you can see, we've got some new things. We're, we're uh, going on back in, behind the hub. We're, uh, we've torn out that older um, uh, playground area. We're going to turn that into a brand new kind of family play park that we think is going to rock your socks off. Like it's going to be such a cool space. And here's our heart behind uh, an extension of our facility outdoors is about community. It's about relationships. It's something we value so heavily here. <coughs> Um, because we're better when we can connect. And, and I don't know if you've noticed, but our body continues to grow. Like this is the middle of summer, which is typically in church like an off period. And, and we just have a, a beautiful full room of, of faces um, here gathering. And so we want time to connect and place to connect. And so this is going to be a beautiful spot for us to do that. So continue to give, continue to be faithful, and we're going to watch God do that in the coming months. So uh, I'm excited to dive in. Uh, Pastor Todd did an amazing job kicking off uh, last week our, our, our recalculating series. How many of you heard that message and were blessed by that? Oh my gosh, man. We were listening to it driving down the road, coming back in from vacation. I was just moved. What a, a fantastic start that we need to recalculate our lives around the preeminence of Christ, that he gets first place in our life, not second, not third, not fourth, not last place. He's first place. What a powerful message. And, and he didn't lean into it much but because I, I really wanted him to, to go in there. But I, to, what we're talking about over the next couple of weeks is our finances. I've had you on my heart over these past six months and year as inflation has continued to rise, as I've heard conversations around the pressures that are on your life financially and was excited to be able to help. I want to help. Um, there's a, a famous Mike Tyson quote. It's one of the best quotes of all time. Uh, Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Have you ever heard that quote? It's an amazing quote, right? And many times, like many of us with our budget, we had a plan, <clears throat> but we got punched in the face. I was talking to a family member just a couple uh, days ago, and they were talking about how the truck broke, and the fridge went out, and, uh, what was, and the garage went out all in one week. Come on, how many know that'll punch your budget in the face? Uh, but I just began to get a picture of, um, of this old wrestler. I don't even remember who it was. Any old school wrestling fans in the room? I need your help. All right, yeah, a couple of you. All right, old school wrestler. Who was the one who, when he got knocked down, he started doing this right here? Was that Ric Flair? Was that, that Hollywood Hogan? Come on. He just started, he started, he got knocked down, and he had been there, and he was just there, and the crowd would just see him, and he would just start shaking, and he was like, Aah! and he would just knock out, and I think some of us, we feel like that today. We're on the ground, but we don't feel like we've got it in us to keep fighting when it comes to finances. Like, we're just exhausted, we're burnt out, and, uh, and I want you to be spiritually encouraged that God's our provider. You come in today with worry, with fear, with anxiety about the intense pressures. There's more stress that's just been rising in your life. I pray, man, you're going to get that Hollywood Hogan vibes today spiritually and be ready to just attack um, your finances this week um, in, in these coming months so that God will 
bring you freedom. I believe he's going to do that. So we're going to be diving into um, uh, Matthew chapter 25 here in, in just a few moments. Um, but the, the title of today's message is Ready or Not. Ready or Not. Uh, just to, before we jump into the parable of the talents, which some of you, even if this is like your first time here, you've never been in church before, you might have heard this parable. You may have heard something like this. Or maybe if you went to church as a kid, this may be one that actually sticks out um, and you remember this one. It's in Matthew chapter 25 that we'll be looking at the parable of talents. But, but Jesus tells this in context. And context is so important to really understand what's Jesus' heart. Because in Matthew chapter 24, the end of Matthew is Matthew chapter 28. Okay, so Matthew is chronological. So just kind of wrapping our brain. We're getting close to the end. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 26 is the Last Supper. That's the betrayal of Judas for money. <laughs> that was the exchange. It was around money. What had his heart? We'll talk about that. But I, I just want you to know, this is kind of the last things that Jesus is saying before the Last Supper. And so Matthew chapter 24, his disciples are talking to him, and they begin to talk about, Jesus begins to teach them on the end times, on what, the things that are going on in the world. They're going to hear wars and rumors of wars, and he, he's, he's preparing them for the end. That, that would begin very soon, and we are in the last days, and we have been in the last days since the day of Pentecost. We've been there. That's what the scripture tells us. In Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up, and they're like, what is going on? This is crazy. And Peter's like, and he quotes Joel chapter 2, that in these last days. So the last days started in Acts chapter 2, in the day of Pentecost. And we're still living in them, right? And we're just continuing to see the signs of what is to come. But Jesus tells them this, and, and there's this motif in chapters 24 and 25 that's about awareness. He says, be alert several times. He says, ready. He wants you to be ready. And so in very vivid terms, Jesus is telling them, you need to be ready because there's going to be a day you're going to be going on about your life. You're going to be kind of, you know, going through and going on your vacations and, and sending your kids off in marriage and having kids and going to work. And, and you're going to be walking through a field with a friend and one of you is going to be removed and one of you is still going to be here. And so the return of Christ must stay as an urgent, imminent uh, preparedness in our life. That we can't just kind of as Paul told Timothy, we need to be like a soldier that's aware and alert, that we're in battle, we're in a spiritual war. And I think more than what we realize that, that the enemy is working overtime in our, in our finances, and it's just a, it's a huge part of our life. Jesus talks about it a ton. We're going to lean into one story right here. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. So 16 verses. Can y'all read with me 16 verses? Right, y'all are smart. You probably haven't read enough pages this week anyway, so let's dive in. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Uh, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. This is the third parable he's told about the end. Again, it will be like a man. That's why he says again, because he's all connected to this idea of the return of Christ. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag each according to his ability. Many times this is called talents. One talent, two talent, five talents. This is why it's called parable talents. Thank you, production guys. You guys, are, you guys are working overtime back there today. I know we've got some technical issues. Can we give it up for our production guys? Always just doing amazing. They're the first ones here, hours before you are, every single week. What an amazing team of, that we have for production. They serve faithfully and joyfully. We love you guys. Um, to, one, to one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his own ability. And then he went on his journey. 
And the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. Say to work. To work. And he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off and he dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned. It was a long time. But then he returned. And he settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold uh, brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, you, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness or joy. And the man with two bags of uh, gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. It's the same story, just a different, a different uh, amount of zeros attached here. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And then uh, the man who had received one bag of gold came. And master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid. Think of, think of the operative emotion here, this fear. I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have at least put... My money on deposit with the bankers. I'm just saying that in my own inflections. Can you feel it? You at least should have put it on, um, on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Verse 28. Go ahead and skip to verse 28. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the bag. Um, give it to the one who has 10 bags, right? Is that socialism? It doesn't sound like it. Um, for whoever has will be given more. No, it's the opposite of what we think. I mean, so, okay, I'm going to get off on tangent if I go there. Everybody say good, good. <laughs> For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That cute little story of Karen for the finances, well, gets really intense there at the end, doesn't it? Throw them in to the darkness. So I, just for clarity's sake, I want to make sure we know kind of the framework that Jesus is using and, and who each person is in this parable. Parable is telling the story of God's kingdom. He's announcing it through these parables. And so first, we understand who the master is. Everybody understand who the master is? It's God. It's Jesus himself. He is uh, the master, that he, all the wealth in the earth is his, and he has entrusted it to the servants who is us as his body of believers, sons and daughters. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're adopted into the family of God. You, you have an inheritance in Christ that awaits us, and some of that we get to enjoy uh, today right here. Much of that we get to enjoy right here and right now. And so we are the servants, and the talents, or the bags of gold here, oftentimes we think one, two, five, that doesn't sound like a lot, but I want you to know this is a significant amount of money, some 20 years of wages stored up. So if you think about what you make in a given year, times that by 20, and that's about what it was. If we were to take how much this was at that time, 
and, and kind of translate to just let you know, it's probably somewhere between $600,000 and a million dollars per bag of gold, per talent. So when we talk about the guy with five, he, t- he had five million, he turned into 10 million. One that had two million, if we just use the higher end of the scale there, two million turns it into four million, one million, and does nothing with it. Okay, so just to kind of, this is a lot of money. Don't feel bad for the guy with one bag. <laughs> He's got a lot of scratch in his pocket. And so, uh, again, somewhere between 600000 and a million dollars. I'm just using the higher figure there. So as we, we wrestle with this, we need to begin to ask ourselves, what, what is God saying here to us today? Now that we kind of know the framework, I think it's a pretty simplistic parable overall. There's a lot of little details so that this sermon can be preached in a a number of different ways. In fact, I've preached this sermon a number of different ways. But I want to talk to us about biblical stewardship. And biblical stewardship is not as complicated as you might think. It's really this. It's managing God's money, God's way, for God's glory. Would you say that with me? Biblical stewardship is managing God's money... God's way for God's glory. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And that includes us. It includes our life. It includes all that we have. Um, but can I get a volunteer real quick? Somebody up here who has ever house sat before. Anybody ever like done a house sitting? Tiffany, would you join me up here? Awesome. Give it up for Tiffany. <laughs> Put herself out there having no idea where this is going. So I want you to imagine, hey, last year we did a sabbatical, okay? Um, let's imagine that uh, we actually left town for two months, okay? And we, we, we said, hey, you've got experience, house sitting, would you, uh, you know, oversee our house? And hey, I want you to take care of my bills too, if you wouldn't mind. Like, here's my, here's my, here's my card, here's my bank account information, right? So here's access to all my money, okay, right? It's a lot of trust. I am entrusting you with my financial future, including my abode and my home that I want to come home to. So I entrust that to you. There's an expectation, whether I say it or not, that when I get back, whether I say it explicitly or not, that when I get back, things will be as I left them or better. The yard will be mowed. Maybe the kitchen will be cleaned up. Come on. I'd be like, yeah, that's awesome. I picked the right person. You oversaw all the bills would be paid right? You wouldn't have gotten me into more debt than when I started, right? We'd have that expectation. We'd have that kind of understanding, uh, whether I communicated explicitly or not. So the, the, the word steward comes from kind of an old English language that we don't actually find in the Bible, but we see it here that this is what God has entrusted to us to manage his house, his life, and he's entrusted us according to our own, but what we have, and, and, and some of us were like, hey, well, I, I, I didn't start with much, okay? Well, that, that's where you started, right? And, and so we know how wealth works. It builds up on generations, right? And so many of you right now, I always say the first one through the wall is the bloodiest, right? That means you're, you're pushing through some really difficult financial habits and mentalities and routines uh, that were marked by the previous generations in your life. And, and you, you're, you're bloodied. You're kind of going through the mess of having to change patterns and habits for probably generations in your family. And so keep up the good fight because you're laying a path forward for your family. Thank you. And so this idea of, of steward is managing God's money. It's, it's his home. It's his accounts that he has entrusted to us, but we need to manage it God's way for God's glory. That's biblical stewardship. And this is where uh, many of us, some of us in the room, I won't say many of us, 
because you're an incredibly faithful people. But some of us in the room, like, we really struggle with this. Like, I want to be completely surrendered. Like, if you think of total surrender in your life as a percentage, right, and you had to be honest and just kind of put it on a piece of paper. I'm, I'm in seminary. I'm halfway through um, my, my master's program. And um, I, have this professor, I have a couple of professors that, I mean, it's, it's a seminary. And so they trust that we're in ministry, like we've got character. And so one of the, the like, most intense grades, like it's like an insane amount of reading that we have to read. For each class, it's like 20 hours of reading or something like that. So I, I don't even remember. It's like a, or 50 hours of reading. It's like a ridiculous amount of reading per semester. Um, but the most intense grade I get is, hey, would you fill in the percentage of what you've read of, you know, these five textbooks that are often three to 900 pages. <laughs> what percentage of these have you read? And you have to, like, literally do all this math, and you have to give them an honest assessment of how much you've actually read these books. So if I had to ask you to give an honest assessment to how surrendered you are in your entire life to Christ, what would that percentage be? And if you had to do that just in the area of God's way with managing God's money for God's glory, how surrendered, not in theory, but in reality, right? Not like, hey, yeah, I'd like to be up to the budget. We have a budget, but we haven't kept it up in two years, right? So how, like what percentage is that? And I know for many of us that becomes a, kind of an intense thing to begin to wrestle with, but this is where we've got to get first is that I actually surrender control completely to God's way. And not only for God's way, but for God's glory. And for many, this is a very difficult hurdle, challenge of surrender. You've seen mismanagement in the local church. You've seen um, habits, not this local church, but other local church. In fact, I had this in my notes. I wanted to take a minute to honor the people that oversee our finances in this house. We, we've, we've operated with two main principles since day one. We've operated with more principles, but two kind of phrases or quotes that we want Fortune 500 quality with missionary passion. And quality stewardship is not an option. It's, it's a calling. It, it, it's a calling. And so we've also said we're a vessel, not a bank, right? We're a vessel. That we as a body are to be used for God's kingdom, for his glory. So I just want to honor all of our board of directors uh, who are serving, who are in different places uh, today. Jamie Boatwright, Dan Paul, Josh Baxley, such high integrity, generous people involved in our food pantry and nursery. In fact, one of them is serving in the nursery today. They love this house. They serve so faithfully on our board of trustees. That's a selected board, not an elected board. Um, and then our, our stewardship director, Kevin Smithers, who oversees all of our day-to-day -day finances. If you know Kevin, you know he, he is serious about stewardship. Um, and he is a faithful and generous man who is looking to bless anybody that he can. And I shout out RT in the house, too, who's joined our financial team and bringing his expertise to that team. So there's an incredible team. Can we just show some love for that team? That, that is a trustworthy bunch who uh, advise, and, and they weigh two things, in protecting the mission and vision of the church and advancing. So it's weighing those two different things. But all of us, we need to get to this place of total surrender. Biblical stewardship is managing God's money, God's way, for God's glory. And oftentimes, we'll, we'll surrender in every place, but this last 5 or 10% often that, that breaks finances 
and um, it, not surrendering that 10%, and, and I'm saying that just as like our life, not the tithe, but not surrendering that 10%, it doesn't, it, there's still something that has a quick control of our heart. Judas walked with Jesus for years, and it still had his heart. And that 10% cost them everything. So let's move and let's talk about biblical budgeting. Biblical budgeting is about freedom, not control. How many in the room would say, hey, I'm kind of a free spirit when it comes to Just be honest with me. Come on, just throw yourself out there. Just throw it out there. These are the people who do not like spreadsheets, don't like, they think a budget's going to kind of control them. And when their spouse wants to talk about the budget, they're like, go away. Like, I don't want to talk about it. Just want to go on vacation and just have fun. Um, where's all my nerds in the house? That beast in the Excel spreadsheets? Yep, there you are. Um, right? But you love this stuff. How many people are a mix? You say, like, I kind of go back and forth between I just want to do what I want, but I know I need a plan. Right? I'm, I'm kind of that one that's in the middle. Like, I think God just helped wire me to the protection of the mission and advancement of the mission, right? So I'm bringing people around me. Hey, wherever you're at, on that scale of things, and that's kind of a spectrum, wherever you're at, you need people that are different than you. If you're a free spirit, you really need to lean into some people who know how to do the books. If you're a person that do, does the books, you probably need to learn to have some fun. <laughs> you need to know how to enjoy life because, um, you know, oftentimes our life is like, uh, like batteries. We work, 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 and then we die, right? And I think God's best for us is a life of abundance, where we're really enjoying the road, um, that, the, the journey that we're on. But biblical budgeting is about freedom. Here's what <clears throat> um, I, I guess I want to start with, is that we have to have, be on a budget. Like, we have to have it. Like, most of us cannot afford to not be on a budget, right? And so, I, I love this passage um, in Proverbs. It says, be sure um, that you know the condition of your flocks. Anybody got some flocks? Yeah, they're green, um, they, they have little presidents on them. That's your flocks. We don't, you don't have lambs. You don't have goats. So our flocks are really the things that we have care of, the resources that we have at our disposal, your house, your car. Be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. They, it doesn't last forever. A crown doesn't. It's not secure forever. Just because you got money now does not mean it's going to be there a year from now. Come on, some of y'all were like worshiping Jesus when that stimulus money came out, but it's gone already. <laughs> it did not last for even two years, let alone all generations. Uh, when I was 16 years old, I, my, my parents helped me purchase this $1,500 Ford probe with 15-inch white rim or silver rims, 15 inches white Ford Probe. Did I ever tell you all the story of the day I went to Maple Street with two, two friends of mine? And they do this thing. If you've never been to Maple Street Biscuit Company, um, we were at the original one up in San Marco, and uh, we were there that day, and uh, I was, there were two buddies. Caleb Kimbrough was one of those. And uh, he had, I think his first car, it was like, hey, what was your first make and model of your first car? And they call you out based on how you answer the question. Well, I, um, the, both the other guys get called first, and the first one is like 65, um, 65 and a half hatchback Mustang. I mean, like, that is a cool sounding car. It's even cooler looking car. Um, so he called it, and then Caleb gets called. It was like a 96 Chevy Camaro. It was like super cool. And I was the third one. It was like 93 Ford Probe. <laughs> well, I asked me, let me go get my biscuits, right? 
Um, well, that Ford probe, um, I, I didn't put oil in it. I didn't care for it. I didn't know the condition of my flock at that time at 16 years old. I didn't know what it was. In fact, actually, this was another car. This was my second car. This was a little uh, prelude I had. And um, in that car, I never put oil in it. I never checked it. Never worked. The light came on. I ignored it. Blew the engine up. That's what happens. It dries out, blows the engine up because I didn't have a careful attention to the flocks at hand. But there's a lot of reasons we won't budget. The first is that we're afraid of what we're going to see. Come on. About a month ago, I decided to just dig in. I'm overseeing the groceries. I'm the official grocery getter for my family. So I said, hey, I need to see, man. I feel like our budget, we're just, we're hitting, we're losing it every month. And what's going on? How much have our percentage? I asked some of you online this week, how, how much has your groceries gone up? And I, I saw that, man, it was, it was like uh, you were saying anywhere between 10 and 50%, even that your groceries have gone up, even over the past few months. I saw ours was like 30, 40% up some months. Someone was like doubling. It was like crazy. It was like so much money that was going out around groceries. But, obviously, but I, I went in and I'm like, hey, we got to know. We got to know what's going on. And that's why some of us avoid doing budgeting because we're afraid of what we'll see. Some of us, we feel restricted by the budget. Like we just feel like it's boxing us in. And, and what I'm really trying to get at your heart today is that, is that it really is about freedom. It's not about control. When we ask ourselves the question, what is God's way? Well, God's way is not it's, it's not everything through a fine, like every single item is expensed for in the Bible of how you were supposed to spend your money. It's not. In fact, there's the tithe, that there's things that, that teach us about saving. We can look at a scripture on that. We can look on debt. We can talk about things we're going to look at here in just a second. But there's, a lot, there's so much more freedom than what you realize, but it's to trust God in the thing. So it's about telling your money where it's going. Otherwise, if you don't, it ends up telling you where it's going. It's going to master card. It, it, it's going. So you end up feeling restricted by this budget, but it's really about bringing freedom, not, not control. Uh, and the third thing is that couples often kind of struggle to, to not be on the same page because you're so different and you carry baggage into this. But I'm telling you, it may, it may start some fights to begin with, but we got to remember the goal that we're fighting towards, not who we're fighting against. We need to be fighting against the debt against the problems, not against one another. And that will require both of us to have introspection and to really do some work and to really value each other's opinion, okay? So that's another reason we don't budget. Quick five things. All right, five things, five points. Dive in. Five-point plan. All right, here we go. Um, five most important aspects of building a biblical budget. The first thing is a working income. Like a lot of times when we talk about budgeting, we think about all the expenses and we don't talk about income. Some of us have income problems right? It doesn't matter, but, but, but you're not going to know that until you actually know how much you're bringing home every month and that working income. We see in the scriptures what Jesus says is one, like two of those, two of the, the three servants put it to work. They put the money to work. They didn't just sit on it and bury it. They put it to work and that, that, that didn't just happen on accident. It didn't just magically happen and they went from five million to ten million. They hustled and so John Wesley has this great quote that we should earn all we can, we should save all we can, we should give all we can. And so don't be afraid to grow in their finances, but be a good steward of them and to, to, to put, put things away, we're going to talk about it here in a minute, and to, to be generous with it. So have a working income. Second is trust God in the tithe. I'm going to spend next week not talking about the tithe alone, but I'm going to talk about all of the book of Malachi next week. 
and help really unpack this because I know there's some of us who like, you're just like, I hate this I, even word of the tithe and just what that means. And others of us who are like, I do it, but do I really understand it? No, I really don't. And I think you're going to be blown away with the beauty and richness that is the tithe. And we'll talk about that next week. I haven't talked about it in a while, so excited to teach on that. Um, but we got to trust God in the tenth, the first ten percent. That is of, uh, of our increase, right? Jesus, and many times people will point and say, well, well, we're not under the law anymore. You're exactly right. We're not under the law. But there's so many things within the law that Jesus did not come to abolish but come to fulfill, right? And, and with generosity is one of those. He didn't come to cut off our generosity. He actually came to, like, enrich and take our generosity at, like, a miraculous level, that we just have a faith and trust in God to be generous people. And so I believe that that is really the starting point for us, for our generosity and faithfulness to see the kingdom of God advance. And so we'll talk about that more uh, in detail uh, next week, but we need to trust uh, God in that. Jesus said it, it's important. You should practice that tithe, Matthew 23, 23, but you should also not just think like, oh, hey, I kind of did my tithe check. And, and I really get away from the language of I'm paying my tithes, I'm, I'm honoring God with this. I'm honoring God with the first fruits of my increase. And I believe that he brings a blessing over the entire thing. Doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen. Doesn't mean the, the fridge won't eventually go out on the 25-year-old fridge. It's eventually going to go out, right? And it's not a spiritual attack. It's a fridge that was cheaply made, right? Or it, it, if it holds you 25 years, it's done really good. Um, so third thing uh, that's, I think, an important aspect here is to, to get and stay out of debt, to be debt-free. Get and stay debt-free. This is so hard of us. Some of us can't even imagine a life that is debt-free. Uh, our family has chosen to, uh, over the summer, we're going back through Financial Peace University. If you've never done Financial Peace, it's a great program. If you're in really like, you're really serious about this, I encourage you to sign up for Financial Peace tonight. You can start it at home, online. You can start watching it. We're doing it with our entire family. We're going to go through all of them this summer. And you would be amazed at how my 8-year-old and 11-year-old are eating this up. They're just, like, locked in, laughing and enjoying and having conversations about debt and credit cards together with our 8- and 11-year-old. My 5-year-old is coloring in the background. <laughs> She's there for entertainment. Um, and so, but, but they're engaging it. We're doing this as a family, and, and we're putting together this plan for how do we get out of the little bit of debt that, we, that still remains in our life. You know, it, it says that the, the proverb says that um, the, the, um, the, the borrower is slave to the lender. And some of us, we're pretty chained up today to the lender. Like we're over-leveraged we got a lot of people who own us, not just your house. And it's cut away at, frankly, your ability to be able to be generous. It's cut away at, at, at your, your peace, your financial peace that you've actually had in your life. And so I would encourage you to get and stay out of debt. We've talked about a budget. Let's continue. Don't neglect savings. Savings is important. Um, scriptures teach on it. Um, there's this whole great proverb about about an ant like it says go to the ant you sluggard like pay attention to the ants that even though right they don't have a master but you see them putting away for months you see them putting things away so that they'll never be without that they're they're planning for future expenses 
This is um, an important aspect of our, our budget is, is to, to, to not neglect it. It used to be they said 10% of your income should be set aside for that. Now I hear more like 15% that, that you should be working towards. And so say you're at 0% now, which we were uh, years back. We were at 0% that we're putting away in savings. We just didn't have the money to scrap together. We got out of debt, and all of a sudden we had room to set aside in savings. And so we started at 3% and then 4%. And then 5% of our income is being set aside. So these first things, the tithe and the savings, they're really put aside, right, first. Because we know at the end of the month, they're not going to be there. Uh, one more, more thing on the tithe, and we'll talk about it next week. But it, it doesn't show any trust to give God leftovers. And it doesn't express any love to give leftovers. If you came over to my house and I invited you over for dinner and I gave you leftovers. First of all, they'd be delicious. I love leftovers, and our food's really good. Uh, Taryn makes amazing meals. But it wouldn't be honoring you. It would not be showing my love. No, I'm going to bring out the best. We're going to cook new, like, fresh food, and it's going to be on your table. It doesn't show love to God when we give leftovers, so we give him the first fruits. So don't neglect the savings. Last one, be wise with the essentials and the non-essentials. If you really look into it, and what is already spoken for that God has said, hey, here's a plan on it, Uh, you know, I think it's probably only, to, you know, 10 to 25% if you want to include savings in there, right? So then there's this 75% that we have a lot of freedom. So what do we do with all this freedom? Do we just kind of do what we want, kind of make up our mind and what we think is best? No, no, no. I think we use wisdom. God's given us the book of Proverbs. God's given us people who are very successful at understanding how to manage money. And some of us, we think we know better than them, <laughs> when it comes to how to manage our money. And that's a problem, right? There's, a, there's pride issues in managing our budget that we have to confront and begin to look at humility and say, who is wise in this area? Who can help me figure this out? One of the, two of the key ones, again, getting out of debt here is huge, but one of the key ones is are, are around our household expenses, right? Our four walls. Like for some of us, that's gotten out of control. The housing market here is bananas. Don't make dumb decisions, because the housing market's bananas, right? We've got to be wise with the essentials and the non-essentials and don't bite off more than we can chew. And we don't know that unless we're doing a good budget. So they really say around a quarter of your, your, your um, income can be designated for the four walls, third at the most. You won't hear anybody say you should have 40% of your income designated to your house. You, you just won't hear it. So need to lean in there. Be wise with it. A couple other things, and we're going we're gonna to wrap up today. Uh, financial faithfulness is going to come through spiritual decisions, not impulsive decisions. What Jesus is trying to hone in on in the parable of talents for them is that how we manage God's money, the way we do that for God's glory, it matters. And we need to be ready just like in other areas of our life, we need to be ready to give an account when the master returns because he will return. It's a spiritual decision that we've made. It's, most of us, we make it out of impulsive decisions, impulsive emotions that are driving us. Oh, I really want that new mirror. I really want this new car. I really want, and it's driven by our wants and not by is a spiritual decision that's reflecting biblical stewardship. So our financial faithfulness really comes out of spiritual decisions that we make, that we actually stop and we 
pray about them. We stop and actually ask. I'm not saying you've got you to pray about the candy bar, the coffee that you want to bring. Bye. But, but these major decisions, things that move our budget, that have a significant impact, we actually pray about them. We actually stop. We sleep on it. Because, right, we'll see. Like, clarity, there's some time that can pass. You can talk to someone, ask someone, and say, Is, what do you think? And most of the time, we go to people asking them, and we, we hope they're going to tell us what we want to hear. Don't go to those people. Go to the people who will be, tell you the truth and will bring biblical wisdom and help you make a spiritual decision, not an impulsive, emotional decision. But what did the, the third servant do? He made an emotional decision. After a long time, for years, he was controlled by this. But, but here's what, what Paul says to Timothy. And Paul says this, this phrase to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy 1.7. God gave us a, a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. We, we don't realize how much our emotions are attached to our financial decisions. We're driven by fear, we're driven by worry, by anxiety, by greed. Paul says this to Timothy about not being ashamed of the gospel. But can I say to us today, how we handle our money in this earth is a part of our witness to the world. It's a part of the proclaiming of the gospel that Christians dedicate a portion of their income to God, and we take a full day off. We honor God on the Sabbath. We don't work on that day. We actually shut it down. And so it just, it declares to the surrounding people and community that we're weird. But normal in our world is not working. The average household has like, you know, dollars $50,000 worth of how, like consumer debt, consumer debt. Student loans are like, make up about a third or half of that. It's a lot of money that's, that's going out to this stuff. But God did not give us that spirit. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, so we shouldn't be operating by that. We should be operating by power of love and self-control or discipline here. I just want to ask you, how are you operating around your finances? What emotions are controlling your decisions? Is there discipline? Is there self-control? Is it, I just get what I want when I want it, and I never say no to myself? Is there power inside that says, no, 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 I'm not going to live out of fear. Things are tight. Things have hit the fan, but I'm going I'm to stay of a sound mind right now and know that God loves me. I'm continuing to live out the witness that he has and love for him um, and, and his love for me. I, I believe that when we do that, we're a witness to the world. Um, I told you about one time I blew up my engine. There was a second time my engine blew up, and um, I, I, that uh, is it okay if I tell the story? I've told it. Okay. Um, I'll take it. I guess so. All right, we're gonna roll with it. I've told this story many times before, so the cat's out of the bag. Um, so we were driving um, home from from college um, at the time. And we were driving a different car, and uh, we got on the interstate. I'd driven about seven hours away. We had two hours left, and we had a couple other guys in the car. And um, I was like, hey, I've driven seven hours. One of you guys want to step up and take the wheel, right? Guys, and if you're in the car with two other guys, who do you expect? Like, come on, one of you guys step up. Um, she's my girlfriend at the time. I'm like, hey, like, uh, just let her ride. Just let her chill. 
They didn't. She stepped up. Um, she, she, the first time she's ever driven my car, she puts it in drive three, gets on Interstate 75, blows up the engine, long story short. Um, so she's a mess. She's a mess. Like, she's losing it. Um, and and I, I tell a story not to brag on myself, but to, to really tell you, I, I know it was a significant moment in our relationship. I, I believe it really was a significant moment in our relationship. Because as that happened, I, I stayed cool under pressure. Like, I just consoled her and, like, just wanted to take care of her. But it was a moment of, I believe, like, God's power and sound mind. Like, hey, like, I'm not going to be mad at you. Like, we're going to figure this out. And we just we move forward. And so, lo- long story short, what I'm trying to say to us is in these moments of crisis, our emotions often reveal our trust. And I've been there too, in which fear is creeping in, anxiety is out of this world, but it reveals something. And in those moments, it's not a moment to feel guilty and shame, like, oh my gosh, I'm afraid. No, it's just a moment to say, hey, okay, I need to collect myself and I need to run back to my father who is a provider, who is good, who, who has never failed me yet. He's that same God who provided manna and quail from heaven. He's going to provide for me and we're going to work our way through power, love, sound mind. Here's the final thing, and I'm closing, band can come, and that always helps a preacher just get on with it. So, um, I, I believe the, the last thing I want to share out of this text is eternal readiness, it comes by faith and action. Tyler's message is ready or not. The context of what Jesus says is about readiness and preparedness to give an account for how we've stewarded the resources that have been entrusted to us. And I believe our readiness, it's going to come by faith in action. That is faith after all. True faith is that. That does what? Anybody know that scripture? Cares for the widow and the orphan. Just a little bit in this scripture, um, in this text, Jesus, we, we read up to verse 30. We're going to skip down to verse 33, and here's where Jesus goes with this, right? He's just saying this all in one moment. He says, and he'll place the sheep on his right. So now he's different illustration. He's talking about sheep and goats. Sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Goats are, are non-believers, people who have denied him, who refuse to surrender to him, to put their faith in the finished work of Jesus, not our ability to manage finances. That's not where salvation comes from, but to put our faith in him. And he's going to put the sheep on his right. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So we go from managing whatever it is to inheriting the kingdom of God. That's where eternity, what eternity looks like for us. Our preparation today... Our faithfulness today, the joys we get to celebrate today are like that. Like they're just like microscopic into what awaits us to celebrate and inherit the kingdom that was prepared for us from the foundation of the world. And here's what Jesus explains. For I was hungry. He's explained this to the sheep, those who are faithful. He says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And, and, and the righteous will say, not the goats. The goats aren't speaking up here. The, the righteous will be like, the sheep, like, when? Like, Lord, I don't remember ever seeing you 
naked, <laughs> except for the day on the cross, and it was, it was just close. Lord, when do we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty or give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them truly, say to you, as you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus is calling us to a life that's our faith is in action. It's not like I, I care about the poor. I care about the hurting. We ought to see Jesus in those moments. In the ones who are the least. And many of us in this room will say, hey, I've been in a lot of those moments where I was the least. And, and someone came to me and came and encouraged me, that someone that fed me, that clothed me, that visited me, and I praise God for that. You can begin to play, and, and you guys can prepare to, to lead us in this last song. But so what, what does it mean? It, it's eternal readiness by putting our faith in action. God, we believe you, we trust you, and we know that you're going to bring about a good end to us. Today, I've, I've chosen to move our communion elements and the celebration of the Lord's Supper to the end of our our message, and so we're going to partake now. If you have that, if not, there's a, there's some right back up on that table, and one of our ushers can help uh, you be provided with that. The elements are being distributed. So I'm going to lick my finger here and go. Actually, I don't have to lift. I was going to flip it over. So verses later. We're not chapters later. We're not a different book. Verses later, it immediately goes into Jesus' last few days. It goes to the Lord's Supper. It lays out the description of what was taking place in Judas' life. The Gospel of John actually gives a more thorough story of what took place, takes place there. But the Scriptures say, that they're sitting at the Lord's Supper. They were the bread and the wine at the meal. And, and Jesus looks at Judas, essentially, and says, hey, the one who dipped his hand in the cup is going to be the one that's going to betray me. And everybody's like, hey, not me. And Jesus looks at Judas and says, do what you're going to do. Some of us came in here today, and we've already had it made up in our mind what we're going to do what we're going to do. Judas already had it made up in his mind. He had already given that for years. He had already given that place preeminence in his life. Money. And it had a hold on his heart, clearly. He runs off. He betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. We're not talking gold here, gold here now. We're talking about 30 pieces of silver. We're talking about small, much smaller. He betrays. He's like, hey, what will you give me if I tell you where he's at? comes back and he, here he is playing the part acting like he's yeah it's all good and Jesus establishes the Lord's Supper it was about deliverance it was about sanctification and the cleansing that God would bring to us it was about freedom from sin and healing of our sin it was about deliverance too this was the new Passover just as God had 
prepared a way and passed over them, so he does with us in salvation. And some of us today in this moment after this message, we're wrestling with guilt, we're wrestling with doubts, we're wrestling with maybe shame. And I want you to know, I pray that that has not come off from me because I don't intend that at all. I'm just trying to teach the scriptures clearly. Um, that Romans 8, 1 says there's no condemnation who are in Christ. So if you're in Christ, that is the enemy getting that into your heart and you need to reject it, okay? There is such a thing as righteous repentance that says, God, I'm sorry, and I need to recalculate my life based on the preeminence of Christ at first in my life. I need to recalculate given all the new things that are in my life. I need to dig in here. Most importantly, I need to remember that it's not how good I've been. It's not how faithful I've been. But it's what Jesus did for me. That is the path to my salvation. But make no bones about it. We must be ready to give an account for our life and how we have put our faith in action as he returns. Will you stand with me and we're going to partake together in the Lord's Supper? these next few moments, we're going to have prayer partners after we take communion together. Here at the cross, this band's going to lead us. We just reflect for a moment on the sacrifice of Jesus, who was nailed and hung to a cross so that we might know wholeness, we might know freedom. Today, if you'll break your bread and partake in it today, take and be made whole. fashioning, he took the cup. This is the cup of the new covenant that's given by my blood. He was prophesying it as it came in, but this is a fulfillment of what Jews have long awaited for in the cup of the new covenant. Will you take and celebrate today until he returns again? Celebrate the cup of the new covenant. God, we thank you today that we are not under the old covenant, but we are under the new covenant, and so it's not something that we are burdened by out of fear or control, but God, we joyfully surrender our life to you. We joyfully participate in advancing your kingdom with our resources. Help us today, God, in our weakness, in our own personalities and inclinations and our own baggage and debts that we bring to the table. Would you help us operate not out of fear, but out of power and out of love and out of a sound mind of self-control today, God, that you may be glorified, God, that today we may move from this place, doing the work now, preparing ourselves, God, for the day that you shall return so that we will be have, uh, we will have been found faithful in blessing those around us and not say, well, I don't have it to give. No, no, God, so that we can be generous on every occasion. Would you lead us? Would you shape us? Would you provide, God, right now? Would you open doors, the floodgates of heaven, as our hearts are surrendered to you? God, encourage us, build us up today, God, so that we are spiritually ready to dig in and fight the good fight. We love you today in Jesus' holy name. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. 
to connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, Fathom Beyond Sunday. And there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you. We're praying for you. And we hope you'll tune in again soon.